Hello and welcome. And today we're going to be talking about eating disorders. Uh, so we have our guest, Maisie O'Neill here. Hello. And so uh, introduce this. Give us a little bit of an introduction to this. Um, well, basically, uh, we're going to be talking about eating disorders, specifically anorexia, as it is the most common. Um, so we've got a bit of information here. Uh, all of this coming directly from the NHS website, so you can trust that all of it is official. Um, in terms of the types of eating disorders, uh, there are three most common ones. There is anorexia nervosa, or commonly abbreviated to anorexia, which is when a person tries to keep their weight as low as possible, for example, by starving themselves or exercising excessively. There is also bulimia, which is when a person goes through periods of binge eating and is then deliberately sick or uses laxatives to try and control their weight. And finally, binge eating disorder, or BED, which is when a person feels, feels compelled to overeat large amounts of food in a short space of time. So, anorexia nervosa and bulimia are quite similar, but there obviously is a distinction between them. Um, there is also eating disorder not otherwise specified, or EDNOS, which is normally one of the f one of the other few. But when you are younger and they can't really decide which one you fit into, they'll just be classed as that. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have a little bit of um, information on anorexia specifically. So, anorexia involves restriction of food, vomiting and excessive exercise in order to... Yes, stay thin. Um, there are several symptoms that you will notice if either you or someone you know is suffering from anorexia, including uh, missing meals, eating very little, or avoiding eating any kind of fatty foods, lying about what they've eaten, obsessively counting the calories in food, lying about how much they weigh, exercising excessively, taking appetite suppressants such as slimming or diet pills, or making themselves vomit. And in this respect, this is very... Um, like kind of important if it's someone who you know because you may notice them after they after they have eaten leaving the table immediately to go and vomit um so yeah those are kind of the signs in terms of causes it is kind of disputed psychologically as to what causes it there are ideas of social expectation causing it um the environment you've grown up in even there are biological factors you can be more predisposed to it if you've had again if you've had people related to you have the disorder however that could again be because of a social influence um, so instead of dwelling too much on that, as there aren't any kind of conclusive evidence for it, we're going to be moving on to treatment. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that a lot of people, when you think treatment for anorexia, I don't know if you would think this, is when you think treatment for anorexia, you think, oh, just gaining weight. Yeah, just, just eat a little bit more every day, mm. slowly. <clears throat> mm. Stuff like that. Yeah, but again, in reality, it's a little bit more than that. Yes, the weight gain is important. And in terms of, again, what the NHS officially recommends, it is, uh, well, obviously, first of all, you get a physical, psychological and social needs assessment carried out in order to assess exactly what you need, because each case is individual. Some people will be further along in the disorder than others, so it's important to kind of establish that. In terms of gaining weight safely, um, to begin with, the person will be given small amounts of food to eat, with the amount gradually increasing as the body gets used to dealing with normal amounts. The eventual aim is to have regular eating pattern with three meals a day, possibly with vitamin and mineral supplements. And kind of the aim of this for an outpatient is to gain about 1.1 pounds a week, or for an inpatient to gain between 1.1 to 2.2 pounds a week. Now, the difference between inpatients, outpatients, and day patients, an outpatient is what most people are, which is where you just go into the hospital for checks and kind of checks of like your physical, your, like, the weight gain and things like that, and also just to talk about psychological stuff. Um, you have day patients which stay for a bit longer during the day but are still allowed to go home and then inpatients who in the most extreme cases will be stuck in the hospital 
um, entirely until they have recovered to a certain point. In terms of the psychological aspects of it, there are several different approaches used, such as CAT, CBT, IPT and FPT, and a lot of those are to do with cognitive processes, looking towards figuring out why people have the disorder and what thought patterns are causing it and how they can overcome them. Um, if you are recommended for treatment of anorexia and you refuse and you are in a case where it is dangerous for you to not have treatment, you can be sectioned uh, because of the mental health act. So it's very important that if you are recommended treatment of anorexia, you should definitely take it because otherwise you will be forced against your will to have the treatment, which isn't, it's not fun for anyone. Um, in tandem to this, medication can also be used. Um, SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, can be used such as fluoxetine or Prozac, as it's more often known. Uh, but this is not normally given to people under the age of 18, uh, or it's used cautiously at that with very small amounts. Um, I've got stuff about what support you can have, but I think we're going to leave that until the end, so that we can, at the end, have the what you do to go get help and have different uh, options for that. So. Yeah, so now we're going to begin um, a little one-to-one -one interview. No one-to-one. Um, Little one to one, little very, uh, very, uh, very uh, chill. Yeah, just just a chill interview. Just I'm gonna ask you some personal questions. Feel free to say no if you don't. Okay. Um, and I do not have a specific order, so this is gonna be very interesting. And I think it's important to establish cool. beginning why you're deciding to interview me. Yeah. Um, I want to interview you because um, Maisie is actually one of my personal friends, and. Uh, at part of school, she was not able to come in. She was not allowed to come in school. And funny enough, I got worried. So <laughs> I kind of contacted her. And she didn't really speak to me that much about it. So I understood it was important, mm. but not able to talk about it over social media. So I understood that. I left that until she came back to school, at which point I talked to her and I actually understood a little bit better and I want I want to interview her to kind of get a better understanding of what's actually happened, what's actually going wrong or has gone wrong and to give a little bit of an understanding for other people out there who either have friends or family that are either going through certain phases like that or just don't know what questions to ask or just worry so we're just going to mm. get some of the basic questions out so you can uh, understand that sometimes there's no need to worry and things are actually going okay so first one um when actually were you diagnosed um it was actually it was quite funny i first went to my gp on the night of our christmas carol concert to the point where i was all decked out in my lovely dress and we were about to go straight there um and so i went to the doctor and yeah he diagnosed me with anorexia nervosa and from there, I was referred over to CAMS, which normally takes quite a while, but because I was at, um, I believe it was Six Stone at that point, which was considered quite a dangerous amount to be at, I was referred quite quickly over to CAMS, and that's where the kind of thing started. Obviously, the disorder doesn't begin at the diagnosis. I probably had it from about the end of year 11 was when it started to kind of become more of an issue than just kind of an underlying thing going on. Okay, so... So you said like it started at year eleven. What what like changes did you notice? Um, I think what happened was, and I'm, it's very important. I'm not going to name any names here because I feel like that would be very cruel. But it was specifically at a point in my life when a lot of my friends were leaving. Uh, most of them were leaving to go to other schools, and one particular friend I had 
basically decided to give up on me and someone who I had a very big support network with. And so I suppose at that point I started questioning like self-worth and things like that and subconsciously that, you know, morphed into um, an issue with eating and, you know, what I felt of myself. Okay, so um, what kind of like mental like health things did you, did you, how can I word this? Like, how did it affect your mental health when you were actually diagnosed as anorexic i think when it was um when i was first diagnosed it wasn't like it was in anything i knew already but at that point i was very afraid of saying the word i would just say i've got an eating thing i would never say the word anorexia because i was quite afraid of it when i actually did get the diagnosis it was it became gradually easier to kind of take a hold of that label and go yes that is this is a thing it's not that i'm proud of it but i accept that i have it yeah and i suppose that takes power away from it i think the struggle really begins with like the treatment side but in terms of the diagnosis it was more that was more empowering i think to think no okay. i have an issue and because it has a name it can be treated yeah okay so you were just about to talk about the treatment um mm. like what did you think the treatment was going to be like and what was the treatment actually like is it what it they said or did it was it different mm. um it was quite interesting actually because obviously i had had a look at the nhs website beforehand before going through anything to see what the treatment would be like and you might think it's quite silly but because again it's a very altered mental state i didn't think it was a problem with me physically i didn't think i had any problem with being too skinny i just thought it was a mental issue so it didn't quite occur to me that i would have to gain weight as part of the treatment which was quite interesting uh but i went along and i expected it to be a very small gradual increase but instead because of the situation i was in because it's different for everyone I was put immediately onto a 2,500 calorie a day treatment plan that was very intensive and required me not going to school, not going out to social events, just kind of staying in and resting as much as possible and eating that amount, which, yeah, had a quite a detrimental effect to me mentally, but... Um, okay, can you, can you expand on the detrimental effect that it had on you, Like, What do you mean by that? Um, I think... I mean... Scientifically, when you when your body has kind of been malnourished for so long, uh, when you start feeding it again, it immediately goes into panic mode of like, oh god, when's the next starvation going to be? Quick, store this all as fat now. So then the kind of fear you have as an anorexic person becomes very real because it's just not in your head anymore. You are actually gaining weight and it goes to the places that, you know, places like the stomach, the legs, those kind of areas where a lot of anorexia people, or at least me personally, tended to focus on. And so for something that was always, people said, was in my head, for it to suddenly not be, was very just worrying. And also the fact that, again, eating felt bad because the feeling of full was so unfamiliar. It just felt bad. Not being able to go out anywhere. All it, My entire like mind was just consumed with the intensive treatment, eat more, eat more, eat more, and nothing else, which just, yeah, it just led to a breakdown of me kind of emotionally. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, do you, well, obviously the treatment has to have some sort of medication or s something like that. Is it, mm. is it the same for anorexia? Um, it depends on the situation. I am on, as I previously mentioned, fluoxetine, which is a medication I'm currently on, uh, 20 milligrams a day, which is quite a small dose and what they recommend for people who are under 18. But obviously I am 17, so I'm quite close to kind of the barrier, which is why I think they were less hesitant to use it. The reason okay. we ended up using that, it was a little ways into the treatment. I think I've been on it for about a month now for this specific medication. And 
the reason they did it was not because of the actual anorexia, but kind of the more depressive, anxiety-driven thoughts that were going along with it and going along with the treatment. Um, The weirdest thing that I would always say to people is that the disorder wasn't the hard part, it's the treatment that's the hardest part. Yeah, so you're finding the fact that you were... Even though you were actually clinically diagnosed as anorexic, you Mm -hmm. think that the treatment for it was harder than actually being at that state. Uh, Oh, yes, definitely. Okay, so did you notice any problems? Like, everyday life? Like, I know you were obviously out for a week and Mm. just effectively fed. Yeah, pretty much. Like, okay, I can understand that. But after that, were there any... Did you notice any problems or before that? Um... There were kind of underlying problems that would stay previously and kind of like during the treatment. Previously, we couldn't go out to places, out to dinner, um, and I would eat something. I would have a meal because I didn't want my parents to be like, oh, why don't you? My mum did know at the time, but obviously she didn't want me to just be sitting there having nothing while everyone else was having a meal. So I'd have the meal and I would pick one of like their healthier choices and I'd have it and I'd immediately have to get up and start walking around and we'd have to leave. I would just like freak out. We were at a social event once and... I literally was just, like, sitting in the toilets trying to make myself sick because I felt so bad about it. Um, But, yeah, that's basically... That was something that kind of stayed, kind of, as the treatment started. It was very difficult to eat in public, um, which also was an issue when I came back to school because suddenly everyone's looking and they know why you've been away and it feels like they're judging, going, oh, look, you're eating. And everyone was, like, watching and I had teachers and, like, obviously my friends trying to make sure I'm okay, but at the same time it does feel like a pressure. So I suppose that was something in everyday life that affects. It's like, it's not the act of the kind of the gaining weight, it's the act of eating that just feels so foreign that then to get back into it was quite a challenge. Yeah, I can, I can't, I, I was going to say I can understand, but really, I can't. I'm not going to even try to do I'd that. I'd love if I, if I did that whole thing, then you just went, hashtag relate. Yeah, yeah, the hashtag relate. No. Yeah, no, I can't. I I don't, I can, I, I, I can speak English. I can't understand anything <laughs> like that. I, mm. I was never at that point. I was always the little fat kid at the corner playing football. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was always at the opposite end of the spectrum. And mm. at this point, funnily enough, Regardless of what's happening in your life, do you still do like? Do you still go out? Do you still social events and stuff like that? Do you find um, it hard or? Oh yeah, recently I've, I'm talking about. I think I found it a lot easier. I'm. Um, I don't think. I think in terms of actually eating, I eat healthier now than I used to. Like, cause I was very much a Coca-Cola, Kit Kat chunkies kind of person. <laughs> um, and now you know, I think I'm have a more balanced outlook on like how I eat. I will eat a balanced kind of, like. I didn't eat, used to eat fruit or vegetables or anything like that, but I have a lot more of that now, which is really nice. If I just feel better. I, I'm doing exercise more. I do pole fitness, and I had to stop that when I first went into treatment, which was they were trying to... When I first went for treatment, I was sat with three people. There was someone who was a physical specialist, someone who was a mental specialist, and someone who was, like, an assistant. And they kept saying all these things to try and kind of, I guess, shock me into thinking I needed the treatment. So it was things like, oh, your hair's going to fall out or like you're going to get osteoporosis and things like that. But what actually made me start crying was the fact they said you can't go to pole fitness anymore. And that was when I started crying. and I was like, that's really bad. But now I'm back to doing that. And it just it's really nice to have the shift from exercising to be skinny to exercising because it just makes me feel really empowered. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, Okay, this is more of a generic question to kind of. Uh, help people. I, 
How did you actually go about to find a treatment that would suit you or that would help you? Mm. Okay, so as I said, I first went to my GP and that was very hard. It was very hard to take that first step because I actually had my... Because my mum was lovely for all this. She, um, she went into our GP and basically spoke to him, gave him a brief overview of what the problem was before I had to go in and talk. So he kind of knew what was going on. And then he basically said... He was very respectful about the fact that I didn't want to use the word anorexia and just kind of, yeah, was very nice about it. So I was able to talk about it normally. And I was told that it would take like a few weeks at minimum for CAMS to actually get back to me because CAMS, if, sorry, I keep saying the word, but the Child, um, Adolescent, Child and Adolescent Mental Health Service is what that is. And I was going to be referred back to them. And because of the how, the severity of the situation, I suppose... Uh, they got back to me very quickly, and that was when I kind of started the treatment in that regard. But yeah, going through your GP is probably the most direct way to be getting help in that regard. Okay, well, I have kind of run out of questions at this point. Okay. But, um, I want to ask one of the most important things that I've actually left for last here, and is what would you tell another person that would be in the same situation as you at hmm. the time? I think it's... You, it's it's gonna suck like you're gonna get treatment and by the end of it you're gonna be happier but right now it's gonna suck yeah. um if you think if you even think you might not have the issue but you feel like you might possibly have it it's always worth getting checked out and getting the help so you know just coming forward talking to people no one is going to think bad of you because that was something i was afraid of i was afraid well people are gonna think oh god another skinny white girl who's having this problem that everyone seems to have. But no, it's like, people are going to watch out for you, people are going to take care of you. And yeah, the treatment is going to be very hard. And it's the bit no one talks about, the bit right in the middle of treatment when you are so looking forward to kind of giving up, that's the bit where you need to keep going because eventually it is going to get so much better. It's it's gonna work out, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, that's, that's kind of like, that's kind of like a life, yeah. thing to know is when when things are going tough when you are literally having the worst time of your life and you're like I just want to give up no 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 that's when you need to try harder that's yeah. when you need to put not put a hundred percent you need to put a hundred and twelve percent okay specifically twelve to... not thirteen twelve yes not ten not eleven twelve, 12. not twelve point five okay I, I know some of you out there are like yeah hundred and twelve percent point five no no, no hundred twelve okay be specific here so yeah. Uh, I like, think that's my mantra I take from the musical Avenue Q, which is like, life sucks, but only for now. Yeah. Everything is only for now. Yeah, everything is, uh, nothing is standing still. We're no. not trees, we're leaves, in kind of that perspective, okay? It's we will be blown with the wind. I don't know This is I'm turning into Pocahontas. This is going into very, very different routes. Like, mm. and... Remember, if you think you have a problem, any any mental problem or eating disorder or anything, it is a lot wor a lot more worth to just get check just get it checked out, okay? Mm. You might not have it, at which point you can be like, Oh, oh phew. Thank yeah. God. And if, if you do have it, you can then get actually help. Yeah, you can get help. And if it's sooner rather than later, it's better. Yes, because it's definitely the further you are down the track, the harder it is to get back up again. Yeah. But you will do it. Like most people who think they might have the issue end up having the issue because 
I mean, more more often than not, people who have the issue don't even know they have it, which is why it's so important yeah. to, even if you think you even might do, to go get checked out. Which leads us very nicely on to, as I said, where to get support from it. So, in terms of what I did, and what is probably the most direct route, is going to your GP and getting referred to CAMS, because then they can help you with all aspects of it. And obviously, because it is on the National Health Service, it's not going to be... It's it's easy. Well, it's not easy to access, but it's easier than going privately and having to pay extortionate amount of money. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's simpler. Yes, it's, it's simpler. It's a more direct route. Um, the only downside is that is you don't get seen as often. Um, you get seen once every two weeks, which for when you are really struggling might not be enough, but it is something that is approved and well regimented, and it will end up helping. If you are kind of afraid to go to your GP. Um, places like Mind, uh, the Find Out Centre, yep. places specifically geared towards, again, helping young people, especially if you are young, is definitely beneficial. Um, the NHS recommends the BEAT support group, which is BEAT, Beating Eating Disorders, and we are going to be putting their phone numbers and website in the description. They have an adult phone number and a youth phone number, so feel free to call any of those. A bit like Childline, they are there to help you, so... Yeah. And they and finding out even have like a text support. I mean, mm. yeah, they won't reply instantly because they probably have a lot of text to deal with, but they will reply like on a daily basis to you. Yeah. And just to keep a check, understand like what's happening. And eventually, if you're feeling uh, more confident, you can then even have a call, phone call or even go meet them. And you don't actually have to go to their offices. You can arrange to meet at a coffee shop or at the park or mm. at more yeah, with public places. Like places mind. Just yeah. to... Just to just have Meet a little, them. yeah, build a social connection with them before you go into that yep. office if you're just that scared. And it is very helpful like that. And if you're having an issue and you've been looking it up, the thing you probably will have heard most is, you know, just talk to someone. But it really is, it really is true. Like, it gets, it gets better as soon as you say something. Yeah. It as, really does. As soon as you actually start talking to someone and you, that you accept that you have yeah. a problem but you're willing to work on it it becomes better and yeah. at that point it's not even a problem mm. <laughs> it's not even classified as a problem because you've accepted it it's part of you and yeah you can work on it mm. That's... and if you're scared about it you know like from how much you probably built it up in what yeah. the person how much they built up in their mind when you actually say what it is they might even be relieved because they might think that what it is is something that can't be sorted but this can yeah it's like most things are actually sorted, even if you think they are not. Yeah. Like, it's quite simple. For example, yeah, Maisie is one of my best friends, and she's had uh, the complete opposite eating disorder to what I had a few years mm. back. I was actually uh, obese, and I am not particularly happy to admit it, but I am okay with it, mm. because now I've worked on it, and instead of being actually obese with a very high percentage of your body being fat, I've been working for three years uh, with a healthy diet and exercise. And now I am still obese, but I am only 15% uh, fat, which is well below the average. Yeah. Which is the opposite, but at the same time, it's not good because it's all about mm. the mentality. It's all about the causes, okay? Don't let people put you down mm. and don't allow yourself to put yourself down because that's that's where that's where things go wrong. As Maisie, you need to have you said, yourself fight in your own corner because yeah. that is kind of I mean, with most mental, not just specifically eating disorders, but obviously they tend to really feed off it. But um, 
yeah, it is just this voice in your head telling you that you're not good enough, and that's exactly what you need to fight against. Yeah, you are good enough. No matter what you think, you're always going to be good enough. You know hmm. why? Because you're the only you out yeah. there. Okay, there is no one like you. It's why we're just one in a billion people, okay? Hmm. And um, you said something about uh, in end of year 11, you had a lot of your friends leaving. Yes. And then one of your closest friends just gave up on you pretty much um would it be okay to like expand a little bit on that um yeah sure um yeah basically i think that is kind of a common story of a lot of people who develop any kind of issue involving a decrease in self-worth um i i think year 10 and 11 was some of the best years of my life i was i was eating like i didn't even think about eating and people would always ask why you're so skinny but i was like now nah, I eat as much as I want. I just go to just have a high metabolism. And yeah, that was a really kind of confident time in my life. And then when a lot of friends would go to different, when a lot of friends were going to different schools, I was thinking, no, I'm fine because I have this one friend who's going to stay at this school. And then this particular friend decided, nah, nah, bro. <laughs> and yeah, I suppose that kind of, to begin with, subconsciously led to the ideas of, well, you know, maybe I should like, maybe I shouldn't be having, maybe I should go for Diet Coke and, you know, well, you know, maybe I could have slightly less, you know, or maybe I should like have less for breakfast on like weekends and stuff like that until it eventually spiraled into maybe on a school day, not having breakfast, having two veggie samosas at about 150 calories for lunch and then having like a 250 calorie like lasagna for dinner and like that was it, which is again quite horrific. But at, at that point, even I felt like that was too much and that's what that's what's so dangerous about it it just it distorts your perception so much that it's very hard to recognize that you have the issue which is why really early is it's best to yeah get it out there yeah um so that is actually probably gonna conclude our episode yes so final thoughts on this you know always go get help um yeah we've listed several places i mean yes again gp is the most direct and medical option but there are several help centers specifically websites phone numbers a few of which which we've talked about but if you're not comfortable if you don't like any of those there are probably many more that you can find and you know just yeah even if it's just talking to your parents or your friend yeah. or your favorite teacher just, yeah, just anyone just talk it out like don't... maybe not your dog because your dog can't help you but anyone you else you never know like could have adopted dog like he, he he could do like some weird barking that just says yeah. I love you, which yeah. is the most adorable thing. But yeah, you need to talk it out. Don't don't keep it inside. This is with everything. Don't hmm. don't conceal. Okay, you need to feel. And I'm let not, it go. Let it go. I'm not quoting a movie there. Um, but yeah, we hope you've enjoyed. We hope you've actually learned a little bit more about it. So, hmm. uh, and you in, know, just in, I guess take me as an example. Yeah. The fact that, you know, I was struggling with this so much and because of all the things actually that's one more thing I forgot to mention. Um, just if you feel like you can't keep going, think of the things that you really want to do that you won't be able to do if you can't. So for me in the beginning it was pole fit, but then it was stuff like, you know, I plan to go work at Disney and be a Disney princess someday and I know that um if you have any kind of negative medical like kind of history or like conditions, then you're very less likely to hire you and that's kind of like well, I'm going to beat this because I want to do that. Like, yeah. So even if you can't find the motivation c to continue for the disorder itself, find things that it is taken away from you for you to gain back. Okay, fight yeah. it. Yeah. Don't give up. Mm. Never give up. Never surrender. Okay? These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. <laughs>
<laughs> and on that note, oh, we nice. will leave you guys. Hope you've enjoyed mm. and have a lovely morning, evening, afternoon or whatever time you hear this. Thank you very much for listening and we hope it has helped. Goodbye. Bye.